because, because I'm a hot girl. girl. I'm a hot, 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 I'm a
And if you're just like over DSA stuff and you don't care about internal stuff at all, you can totally skip this. I don't blame you. It's going to be like all DSA for this. So if you don't care about that kind of stuff or, you know, maybe you do. But yeah, if you're just like, fuck DSA, whatever, I don't care. Um, You can skip this. Fine. It's fine. But I do need to talk about something that's been going on in my life for the past couple months. And that's been weighing really heavily on on me. And Mm -hmm. um, and I know uh, Yessie has more positive news regarding their DSA involvement. So yeah, this is going to be a very peaks and valleys. DSA is a land of contrast episode. So like, yeah, I encourage you to stick around even if you're like, fuck DSA, because like, I think, you know, um, we can kind of assess the landscape together, I think. Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Yessie, do you want to tell us what's going on uh, in your DSA sphere? Yeah, I'm king of DSA now. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, a little background, and I'm sure our, our Cali listeners who are affiliated with DSA will know this, but way back in 2017, um, at the very first regional convention, the Southern California Regional Convention, there was talk about coordinating efforts with all of the California chapters to create a regional body like a DSA California because California is a massive state has some of the biggest chapters on the west coast in it and it's also one of the most unique states in terms of like political um, electoral work especially around um, ballot initiatives because it's one of the easiest states to get ballot initiatives up it's like the threshold's really low so fast forward to now Um, A bunch of really amazing people uh, worked on developing a scope and purview for this this project. And now it's come to fruition and it was time to elect delegates. I am in Los Angeles, which is the biggest West Coast chapter. I think it's something like 5,000 members. So we were allotted 29 delegates and the election process was was a week long, like a, a week long voting window. It was a uh, Scottish STV uh, single transferable vote. And I decided to run. Um, I don't, I, I'm pretty brand new to DSALA, although I've been in DSA for like the longest, you know, since 2017, which feels like forever ago. Um, but I decided to run uh, out of 60 candidates, uh, 29 made it, of course. And I was one of those. And I feel really excited about it um, because it was, I, I, I guess for me, like, you know, a lot of my career in DSA, because I was in a smaller chapter previously, it was sort of, um, I built a lot of connections in my chapter and, and a reputation in my chapter. So this was mm. the first time I had to cold campaign. Like, I didn't know anybody, really, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. I knew a few people uh, because I had worked on a, a steering committee slate a couple months before, and that steering committee slate, Popular Power, decided to run a, a delegation slate. So I joined that, which was like really helpful, super helpful. And then I just like fucking called and texted the shit out of people, people I didn't know. Oh, yeah. yeah, like people I didn't know, people who like I asked people I kind of knew, like, hey, can you recommend two or three people that I can call? You know, mm-hmm. and I just that's just how I did it. You know, um, I'm a big proponent of doing that, even even though I thought I wasn't going to win at all. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't think I would get on the delegation at all. I, I just thought, OK, this is a great way to learn who's in the chapter and like, you know, start to make connections for any organizing I'm doing outside of the DSA California project. And I am really glad that I did that, even though I'm very anxious about calling people like mm-hmm. I'm the worst. I am the worst when it comes to um, one on ones. And, and 
text banking and and phone banking just because i get so anxious um Mm -hmm. yeah you know but it but it worked it worked and and i thought it was really cool to see a coordinated effort by all of these people that you know had a shared goal and vision and then also just like getting to know people and during that process i was able to talk to folks in smaller chapters that are feeling you know feeling the squeeze because they're small Mm -hmm. and they don't have enough support or infrastructure and so like you know one of the things for me that's really important is statewide education californians Californian DSA members upskilling and training Californian DSA members. I think that that's critical. We have a very, like I said, we have a very unique political landscape here. We have Mm -hmm. certain issues that are um, kind of forefront here that aren't necessarily forefront in other states, um, in particular with around immigration and migration and border militarization. And so I, I think it's really important that, you know, we don't spend DSA resources flying someone out from like New Hampshire to come teach Californians on how to run political campaigns or multi multi strategy campaigns like we know how Mm -hmm. to do this we live here we should do that so meeting with small chapters was really cool and I hope to continue to meet with small chapters if you're a delegate uh, for California DSA and you want to chat I'm like scheduling all kinds of meetings with folks I would love to chat with you if you're from a small chapter and you want to like let me know what's going on I would love to chat with you too because I, I want to make sure that we're building the most like equitable DSA we can and yeah. one that reflects the um, multi-tendency, uh, multi-strategy nature and spirit of this organization. The, what, the thing that should be prioritized above all else, not your sectarian bullshit, not your caucus, not your faction, mm-hmm. not your clique of friends, but like our shared goal of creating a synthesis of all of the best ideas of our multi-tendency membership and creating multi-strategy, powerful, high-level campaigns that'll win. Um, And -hmm. I'm not just talking about electoral work. I'm talking about advocacy. I'm talking about mutual aid. I'm talking about on-the-ground direct action support. I'm talking about uh, labor components. I'm talking about the gamut because here's the fucking thing. Can I just, like, not to go on a tear, but, like... No, go for it. Go for it. Okay, like... I see a lot of like fucking lanyards and and beltway wannabes, beltway like, you know, strategist wannabes talking about the importance of electoral campaigns. But it's like when you like even in the NGO field, when you work in advocacy, everyone fucking knows that even if you're running a C4 campaign, you still have to have a robust as fuck C3 to support that shit. That means on the ground support, direct action, any sort of mutual aid or like um, direct services component. You need comms. You need um, support from your local labor like everyone fuck worth their salt fucking knows that unless you live beltway and you're all up in the fucking west wing bullshit like everyone knows that especially in california Mm, so if you're not running your campaigns like that in california where it matters the most you're fucking up and so yeah like i'm bringing that experience and i you know i expect pushback but i don't give a fuck like so Mm. like talk to me if you're a small chapter talk to me if you don't have resources talk to me if you agree hit me up on twitter hit us up at the hot girl agenda twitter at hot girl agenda hit us up hot girl agenda at gmail.com i will see them and i want to talk sick yes um i'm so proud of you by the way Um, i'm just so i'm so happy that really forward thinking people are kind of making moves in dsa and showing that this isn't just an organization for class reductionists and you know uh white lanyards 
So I'm really, I'm really happy that you got your position. Um, it, it does warm my cold, cold, bitter heart uh, somewhat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one of those rare shining moments, like not just for me, but like, like my slate got six people on. We were a 12 person slate. So that's half our slate got on. Mm-hmm. And then like we had two allies uh, who got on too, who who ran independently and they got on too. And, and that's fucking right. great. Like, you know, I hope to work with everyone, you know, uh, across the different slates and tendencies. And I hope we can synthesize something like really powerful. Um, mm-hmm. I would be really bummed to see sectarian bullshit ruin another project. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, hate to be the bearer of bad news. <laughs> <laughs> With every high, there comes a low. With with every high, there comes a low. So I am here to talk about the sectarian bullshit, um, at least in in my chapter, which is Atlanta DSA. Um, So I'm going to just, is it okay if I just launch into it? Grip it and rip it. Okay, cool. So um, even though I want to celebrate Yassi's success and the success of your comrades and in, in getting on this uh what is it what is it exactly precisely a convent um yeah so it's a, a delegation uh for california dsa so like we'll meet every three months to like do shit right right okay so i'm really excited uh to hear about uh, this delegation and i'm excited to uh read about you know people from smaller chapters who you know are looking for support and looking for ways to make a difference um in their communities through the vehicle that is DSA. Um, But I'm here to talk about uh, my chapter, which is a flaming dumpster fire. (laughs) Um, And it has been for years, and it it was a flaming dumpster fire before I got there. Not to not take responsibility for for my part in, you know, in making this organization what it was, making this chapter what it was, Although I will say that I really did try to fix the dumpster fire, but you can't um, you can't put out a, a dumpster fire with like a little spray bottle, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it kind of takes everybody. So um, I'll just launch into it. So let me give you a little like timeline of kind of what happened here. So, mm-hmm. so on December fifteenth of last year, I went to go check the Atlanta DSA Slack, which is where the bulk of our online organizing has happened. Uh, since the pandemic started and since quarantine started. And I noticed that my credentials for Slack were not working. I I wasn't able to log in at all. And I was like, okay, um, that's really weird. So I went and I asked some of my comrades who I, you know, I'm close to, I was like, hey, are you able to log into this Slack? Because um, I'm, I'm not. Everyone I asked that was part, like basically part of the active membership that I was talking to, they were like, yeah, I can't log in either. And so I kept asking people, I kept asking people. And around, I want to say like 13 or 14 of us could not log in to Slack. Um, And we were like, what's going on? What's going on? Are we being purged? Or is something going on? Is something happening? And shortly after that conversation I had, I got a letter from the newly appointed harassment grievance officer, uh, Josh T, because I, you know, I'm not going to say last names. I'm not going to be accused of doxing. But Josh T, uh, who was appointed to uh, the uh, harassment grievance officer position 
shortly after I left in October. Uh, and I got a letter saying that there was a grievance filed against me for undemocratic, disruptive behavior. Mm. I'm going to just read the first part of uh, this email and make it really quick. Actually, I can just read the yeah the first part of this email. And then I'll kind of discuss the points. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's like, oh, formal charges have been filed against you in DSA by the Atlanta DSA Steering Committee. The allegations are as follows. Mosaic Atlanta Inc. is an independent entryist organization that seeks to subvert, disrupt, and sabotage Atlanta DSA. Jesus. Mosaic Atlanta Inc. has consistently engaged in undemocratic, disruptive behavior in order to promote its own interests above the interests of DSA as a whole and above the interests of the socialist movement. Atlanta DSA's steering committee has evidence that Mosaic Atlanta Inc. has either planned or carried out misconduct, including fraudulently manipulating DSA elections, good lord, forging statements and falsely attributing them to DSA members, offering DSA members gifts in exchange for their support in DSA elections, fabricating complaints in DSA's grievance process to frame people for misconduct, corrupting DSA's grievance process with the intention of expelling targeted individuals, bringing DSA assets and funds into the covert control of their organization, and using DSA groups as front groups to recruit for their organization. The accused is substantially involved with Mosaic Atlanta, Inc. and actively supports its work, contributing to this entryist organization's undemocratic disruptive behavior in DSA. Oh, Lord. They wanted a response uh, affirming or denying the allegations by December 22nd. And then they also were like, if you wish to provide additional documentation, you may do so. A, a documentation of what? I'm not sure. And they said that between December 15th and December 22nd, they will be they'll, they will also complete a preliminary investigation to determine the credibility of these charges. So for the duration of this investigation, your membership in Atlanta DSA is suspended and you are prohibited from participating in any of Atlanta DSA's programming committees or events. They also went out of their way to uh, try to remind me, a former HGO of one and a half years, uh, that my the, that the grievance process forbids retaliation, which includes organizing to avoid accountability, publicly disparaging complaint or others involved in the investigation, vigilantism, self-help measures. I don't know what the fuck that. Oh, that include public shaming, contacting employers, community groups, family members, whatever. Basically retaliation um, and escalation of conflicts while the grievance is pending uh, by using social media, personal contacts, etc. It is recommended that you do not attempt to contact the filers of this grievance, DSA leadership of any kind, or the national staff, including Paula Brantner as national HGO and Caitlin as field organizer. Confidentiality is key to expediting the investigation, and both parties must not escalate conflict during this process. And they wanted uh, me to reply by December 22nd. Wait, when did they send it again? They sent the initial grievance on December 15th and oh, said wow. that the that the preliminary investigation will be uh, complete by December 22nd and that if I wanted to, I could provide documentation proving my innocence or whatever. And it's like, I can't prove that I didn't do something mm-hmm. because I just want to make it very clear for everyone listening. I am not guilty of any of this. I am not even on any fucking paperwork for Mosaic Atlanta, Inc., which is a totally separate entity from 
mosaic the caucus that is consisting of DSA members. So I want to be very clear that when they sent me this letter, they referred to they referred to me as part of Mosaic Atlanta Inc., which is false. They didn't bother to fucking check uh, that they were, you know, putting this out there. Mm-hmm. And everything that they accused me of on this is I've, I'm not guilty of. There's no fucking proof of it. There's no proof. And for people wondering, like, wow, why would they send you this just out of the blue? Like, wh- like it sounds like you're leaving something out. I want to, like, give you some context for why I'm in particular, I'm getting this grievance letter. I was on a convention slate for the National DSA convention in summer of last year. Mm-hmm. I was on a slate called Mosaic Slate, and it consisted of me and a bunch of members, mostly non-white members mm-hmm. <laughs> who were involved in the Afro-Socialists of Color, uh, Afro-Socialists and Socialists of Color Caucus in our chapter. I was on that slate for convention. I won. A lot of the Mosaic people won uh, seats as delegates. Our opposing slate was a slate called Magnet Slate, which consisted of a lot of members that are now on the steering committee. Now, I just want to also say that before I was on Mosaic Slate, I was on Magnet Slate before they went public. I was invited to Magnet Slate. Wow. They they wanted, and I'm going to just say this, and you, people can call me a liar or whatever. They wanted my clout. They oh, wanted my Twitter sure. clout. They when wanted you have my like chapter 15K, clout. Right. I have almost 14K followers, Still. but more importantly, they like I, they wanted my Twitter clout and they wanted the clout I had in the chapter as an HGO who was trusted and a former steering committee, committee member that was very trusted. And they wanted that credibility on their side. Before the slate even launched, I was feeling weird about it because it consisted of people that I was starting to not trust anymore. I was starting to feel very like I I had felt used a couple different times and manipulated a couple different times by certain people on the slate. But because I was trying to act in good faith and because I gave people the benefit of the doubt over and over again, I was like, okay, well, this slate, you know, it, it can be a unifying thing. Right. And I just started like seeing like some kind of callous and, you know, shitty behavior on the part of uh, people in Magnet before we even launched. So when uh, Brandon B. from Atlanta, who is a dear friend of mine, said, hey, so we're going to do a convention slate with a bunch of people from Afrosoc. Would you like to be on it? I said, oh, a slate with people, with comrades. I actually like agree with their politics. I agree with their analysis. And I, I think that they have a lot of verve and there is a lot of new members with a lot of great energy and and had a really strong political education background. I basically almost immediately dropped from magnet slate and said I quit and joined mm-hmm. mosaic and mm-hmm. I think they never forgave me for that wow I think I think that they that was the beginning of them undermining my credibility in the chapter mm-hmm. and undermining my work in the chapter as an HGO because as an HGO I didn't just handle conduct cases I also tried to develop materials for harassment grievance officers um, in the chapter that resources that I was going to try to take to national and take to other chapters to help them with the grievance process Mm -hmm. and to help them uh, manage things in an objective and fair and just way um, through the lens of restorative justice. So which included uh, mediation and and conflict resolution workshops and things like that. That's that's the kind of stuff I was working on as Mm -hmm. HGO, not just, you know, 
grievance cases. After the convention, which was incredibly, it was a, it was a very difficult convention, I got to say. Um, mm-hmm. As someone with ADHD, a, an online convention was like kind of my absolute nightmare. It was right. really, really difficult to stay focused, and it was really, really difficult to um, feel a sense of unity or connectedness to my fellow delegates, you know, because we're all just sitting in our freaking offices, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, just on a Zoom call. And after that convention, uh, our steering committee... Uh, elections were happening in, I think it was September. And I was not running for steering committee. I was supporting the people on Mosaic Slate who continued the delegation, uh, who continued the convention slate into the steering committee slate. Now, the magnet slate turned into Magnolia Slate. And they had a lot of people from Collective Power Network and mm-hmm. some people who were not openly in class unity caucus, but they were asso- they, like it was very clear they were associated with them. Mm-hmm. And after the steering committee elections, Mosaic lost like pretty hard. And I could speculate as to why that is and why like why we won a bunch of convention seats but didn't win steering committee seats. Mm-hmm. But we, you know, there was there was a lot of missteps, and I don't want to get into it because I adore my comrades, and I think we all learned our lessons from that. But I endorsed that slate. I was like, I, I support the people on this slate. Well, after that election, and I had to work with two steering com- committee members, Shafika and Josh M, mm-hmm. on the conduct committee. So the conduct committee w- consisted of Shafika and Josh M, and uh, me and Cole, who was the other HGO. Uh, who had been HGO for a while. The conduct committee's job is basically to kind of keep an eye on people's like conflicts that were arising in this in the digital spaces mm-hmm. and reach out to people and kind of like be like, hey, um, you know, do you need to talk this out with the other person? Or like, do you do you want to like talk this out with me? Because mm-hmm. it seems like this is very contentious. Basically, it was almost like, uh, you know, just like de-escalation tactics around like digital spaces and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I just, my job was not to give like the rest of the committee that weren't HGOs like information around cases that were uh, in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, what really bothered me was, I think this was in September-ish, was when I got wind from an anonymous, I, I won't name that, but I, I got wind from a very um, credible source that one of the people in our chapter um, had committed several acts of sexual assault. Oh my God. Against, against, uh, it was a non-DSA member, I believe. Now me doing my due diligence, because it wasn't a grievance yet, nobody had filed a grievance, but Mm -hmm. the thing about, (laughs) the thing about being in restorative justice, the thing about having, you know, these principles was that I wanted to investigate the situation Mm -hmm. more because just because it's not, somebody in DSA and just because there wasn't a grievance filed doesn't mean I couldn't do something about it right Right. and that's always been my philosophy so I was like so I said in the conduct committee slack that hey I got wind of this it's from a very credible source and when I kind of started asking around about it very carefully to trusted comrades another person verified it so I will be slowly investigating this Mm-hmm. But for now, I just want you to know what's happening. Right. And then Shafika, who is on the conductivity and also a steering committee member now at this time, uh, Shafika and Josh, Josh M, 
Shavika decided to go around to her colleagues and say, hey, have you ever heard anything weird about this person? Basically, like, came back into the thread in the conduct committee and said, hey, uh, I've been asking around and nobody's heard anything weird about this person. <laughs> and I, like, got really upset. Like, that was, the, that was when I really decided I was like, I can't work with these people because... It was a total violation of like what we were trying to do and like confidentiality. Mm -hmm. And it also put in danger the person who was talking about their assault. It, it put them in, in incredible danger for her to be going around talking to people and being like, oh, did you hear anything like uh, untoward about this person? It's like you're you're undermining my fucking process here and right. the victim's process. And that was like basically the beginning of like I, I went off on her. I was like, no, you're this is very wrong of you to do. I am the HGO here. You're not like I didn't want like this was not an invitation for you to get involved. Mm -hmm. So that was basically my the beginning of the end for me mentally. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sorry. I'm getting way, 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 way deep into this uh, chapter lore. But nobody really knows about this. Right. Like. And I'm being very careful with my words because I don't want to reveal any like information or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but I think people should know who is who is like doing this stuff in the org. Mm -hmm. So I quit as HGO in like October of 2020. And I didn't really give a lot of reasons why. I was I was very overwhelmed by re real life shit, but I also had no confidence in the steering committee or in anyone else in the conduct committee other than Cole to really be on the right side of things and to be a positive force. And it was just a long line of, of things that pissed me off about the steering committee and about the way they operated. And I think that me quitting kind of opened the door for them to do this grievance process mm -hmm. because I was one of two HGOs. And I want to say that I am involved with Mosaic as a caucus. But mm -hmm. again, I am not Mosaic Atlantic Inc. And I will be posting the letters that I received in my responses, by the way, for anyone to read because I want everyone to understand my side of the story. Mm -hmm. But basically like none of what they said has ever been backed up by any evidence because on December 21st I sent my letter saying like outlining all the ways this was bullshit mm -hmm. and also very importantly the first thing that that came up that they, they said it so many times in the HGO letter confidentiality mm -hmm. confidentiality mm -hmm. retaliation well guess what the steering committee did Right after they sent these letters on December 15th. Oh, I should back up. I'm sorry. In addition to sending grievance letters to, as far as I could tell, like 13 or 14 people, but they, they also sent letters to a bunch of other people that they suspected of being adjacent to Mosaic or supportive of it and said, you are associated with Mosaic that is accused of entryist behavior. You need to say that you won't be involved with them anymore. Like basically like a bend the knee, like, wow. oh, are you hanging out with these people? Um, you could get kicked out of the chapter. Um, just for clarity's sake, as I understand the bylaws of the national organization and of uh, the general rules, the only clause that I recall, and, and you can correct me on this, you might know better than I do, um, about any sort of dual carding is, is specifically Demsent organizations, right? So like, so like top down, like 
communist yeah. organizations, right? Is that right? Yeah. Okay. You're correct. Yeah. Uh, so Mosaic Inc., Mosaic Delegate Slate, and Mosaic Steering Committee Slate are three different right. things, right? right? I can't really speak too much for Mosaic Inc. because again, I'm not on any of that paper. I don't I don't know anything about it. Right. I am in like the Mosaic group. Like we have a Discord basically of a server that's Mosaic. It's not an official anything. Mm-hmm. It's it works exactly like Collective Power Network or uh, Class Unity Caucus or Bread and Roses. It's essentially a caucus and other people would describe it as other things, but it's functionally the, a caucus. And for them to call us entryists is just completely mind-blowing because a lot of people on that Discord server were active DSA members. Yeah, you had been, been acti- in DSA since 2017, right? I had been like a paper member since I think 2017 and then I'd been active since 2018. Yeah. So for them to call, like, again, I can only speak for myself here. Mm-hmm. For them to call me somebody who was on the steering committee, uh, who had fundraised for them as a member and who was an HGO for a year and a half and who was a membership secretary... To call me an entryist to all of our uh, membership mm-hmm. is absolutely false and such a shitty thing to do to someone who has dedicated years of their life to trying to build this organization. Mm-hmm. So Mosaic Slate is mm-hmm. entirely DSA members and anything else mm-hmm. that's happening is not relevant to you or your role in the chapter. That's right, right? So yeah, well, Mosaic Delegate Slate was only a delegate slate during convent, like before convention. Right, so it's just like finite, this finite thing. Right. Virtually every DSA member has done some sort of self-organizing within the organization at some point in time. So it's the same thing. Right, Okay. exactly. Okay. The biggest thing here I just want to stress is the the uneven application of mm-hmm. national bylaws, especially Resolution 33, because they stressed in the original letter, confidentiality, no retaliation. Well, on December 15th, when they sent these letters out and they sent this those other bend the knee letters like you can't associate with these people or you, you're risking getting kicked out of the chapter, which is which that's fucking undemocratic right there. They the steering committee emailed membership said that a bunch of people were suspended pending investigation for entryist behavior, disruptive behavior or whatever. And then they told they told people, oh, we're having a couple forums to answer questions about this grievance. What? Because you ha- you might have questions about it. So we're going to like talk about it in, a- in two different forums. So why the fuck does confidentiality apply to the accused but not the accuser. Because again, I've been mm-hmm. HGO for a fucking year and a half. I know that you're not supposed to fucking do that. You're absolutely mm-hmm. not supposed to do that. It is mm-hmm. a direct violation of resolution 33. So steering committee already, mark one of telling everybody, like not naming names of course individually, mm-hmm. but telling people, oh yeah, a bunch of these people were purged for this. Basically like, get, like we had no opportunity to defend ourselves. It was just them saying, Oh yeah, we'll we'll tell everyone what's going on in this in this forum. So when people attended those for the the forums, which happened I think a couple days later on like mm-hmm. uh, I I think the same week, and people were like asking for evidence and wanting to talk about it, they were like, uh, well we'll have evidence ready by December thirtieth. So wow. they didn't even have any evidence, and for uh, f- from what I can tell, they still have not had any evidence to give the general membership Mm -hmm. 
so this is what we're dealing with right now, right? Okay, so to skip a little bit forward ahead, on December 21st, uh, the day before my response was due, I sent them that email back that was breaking down why why this was all bullshit. Mm -hmm. And I also want to point out that one of the biggest fucking issues I had with this was the person that was conducting the investigation through which they were channeling their efforts, the the steering committee, uh, Josh T, who um, is dating the sibling of Josh M, who is on the steering committee. Oh, wow. Which is a conflict of interest. By the way, uh, Cole, who was the other HGO, was not involved in this process at all. And they basically effectively removed him as HGO without telling him and also revoked his Slack access. Um, So the only HGO they have currently is Josh T, who is dating Josh M's sibling. Oh, wow. And Josh M is on the steering committee. So tell me that's not a conflict of interest right there. I just want to say if people are uncomfortable with me saying their names... And, and explaining all this in thorough detail. I'm sorry, you fucking forced me to do this. You forced me to do this by like being so unfair and by breaking all our fucking bylaws to conduct what is essentially a witch hunt for people that aren't that aren't receptive to your fucking leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, because I am one of the people that was vocally like, I, I very vocally was like, hey, I don't agree with some of the stuff you guys are doing. And but by the time I had quit as HGO, I was basically not involved in the Slack at all. Like like I I basically didn't have any involvement on the Slack, not even really commenting for like from like October to November. Mm-hmm. And I would just emoji react things people were saying. So what disruptive behavior could I have possibly had? I was not planning to be involved anymore in my chapter. So what the fuck was I disrupting? You know, Mm -hmm. like other people were trying to continue their work of the chapter, but I was just done. So why? How the fuck was I disruptive? If you don't like what I have to say about the organization, that is not a reason to throw me out. Mm -hmm. So I'm sorry. What were you going to (laughs) ask? I don't even remember anymore. But yeah, like you are fully entitled to say whatever you'd like as long as it's not, you know, hate speech. Yeah. And I wasn't and I've never I've tried not to be malicious towards anyone in Atlanta DSA when they, you know, just in disagreement. In fact, that's like something that I really believed in as an HGO. So just to skip ahead on the timeline for this so we can kind of like wrap up a little bit. So on December 23rd, I got the last piece of um, communication uh, from Josh T. And it was basically saying, um, oh, this email is to inform you we will extend time to December 31st to accept evidence that we should consider regarding your charge. Send evidence to blah, blah, blah email. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they said that was the only statement they were going to put on put out in the matter because of, you know, X, Y, Z reasons. And that was the last communique I ever received from them, December 23rd. Now, Resolution 33 of the National Bylaws says that they have 30 days from the beginning of the case mm-hmm. to close the case, to close the investigation. I haven't heard anything. I haven't heard shit. It is um, like a month and a half now. What mm-hmm. is that? Like, yeah, it's it's been almost, almost two, two months, months and nothing. And my membership is in limbo. I'm not allowed to fucking talk about it. The other people that are grievanced cannot talk about it, not even to each other. Wow. So tell me what the fuck I'm supposed to do as a person who is trying to be respectful of this process, when 
they are continually breaking all the bylaws that they're citing for themselves for mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. and and doing this with the encouragement of the national hgo so how how am i supposed to feel comfortable continuing this process when then even the national hgo is not stepping in mm-hmm. and saying you're actually doing this wrong or you shouldn't even be doing this at all this is retaliation this is mm-hmm. retaliation for for me daring to be dissatisfied with DSA and seeking another way to organize in my community. This is a scare tactic. This is what people do when they're losing their grip on power. And I'm over it. And I, at this point, I, I will probably get expelled for even talking about it. But I, I was going to get expelled anyway, probably, because this whole process has been corrupted. And this whole process has been weaponized so that a small group of people could cling on to the power that they have and cling on to those membership dues and cling on to the fact that new fresh faces will continue to roll in until they get burnt out and and discouraged Mm -hmm. by leadership and they quit too Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's a meat grinder and Mm -hmm. so i want to say that uh from what i can tell from what i've gathered almost 40 people 40 members were affected by this purge That was that's almost a fourth of our I think it's like a fourth of our active membership. No fucking way. Yeah. In in Atlanta, because if you look at the Atlanta numbers, it's like, oh, wow, there's almost like 3K members or whatever, because I was the membership secretary. So I think at the time we had like twenty five hundred members at Mm -hmm. our peak, Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. there's nowhere near that many people active in the membership, Mm -hmm. like nowhere near. On the Slack, it might have been like 100 people active wow. like on the Slack, which yeah. is where we did the bulk of our organizing. As most chapters do. They are actively sabotaging their own chapter mm-hmm. by doing this mm-hmm. because there are people that people that got purged were part of committees. They were part of working groups. Mm-hmm. They're part of national working groups. Now those people can't do shit. This so, is, yeah. I can't speak to this situation specifically, but I can speak to my own experience with the grievance process and national. Um, I filed a grievance a few years ago against a person who served on steering committee with me for harassment. He was targeting me, threatening me. Um, oh my God. Just daily emails, paragraphs of, of, of it. And, you know, that's when I realized the... Um, while super good intentions, the um, the processes that we have to address harm in the chapter are they're they're incomplete and and they're mm-hmm. easy to be weaponized. In particular, yes. the agreement for silence. So I'm mm-hmm. the one who filed the grievance, but I had to adhere to this um, to this confidentiality. Meanwhile, right. he's emailing me daily threatening me daily i couldn't tell anybody besides the the hgos and just forwarding them you know i couldn't tell anybody i couldn't ask for support from my comrades Mm. you know it was taking a toll on my mental health right but i couldn't i couldn't even get support and you know one of the hgos after the whole process was over reached out to me he resigned And after he left the chapter, he reached out to me and he was just like, I failed you. Yeah. I failed you with this process. I, I didn't yeah. have the appropriate training. So like, you know, there was all this money put into to hiring a HGO coordinator. Which, mm-hmm. You know, Paula makes over, Paula makes six figures. Yes, she does. A very competitive salary for a nonprofit, for a non-senior position. She makes a mm-hmm. very good salary. 
but but she doesn't provide any resources. No, I've never felt supported by her. I've I've reached out to her for resources before and she was be like, I'll get back to you. Yeah. Or like, oh, I actually don't know. Yeah. And I'm like, huh, what? So this particular HGO, you know, he reached out to me because he was just so racked with guilt. He was like, I didn't know what I was doing, you know? And I, I, I think one of the things that I think is really pernicious in our chapter is and this is the other side of that so like you've got people who don't have any support who are beholden to the letter of resolution 33 even though the spirit of resolution 33 is really awesome um the letter Mm -hmm. is 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 lacking because you know things have changed a lot in the organization then you have the other side of that that there are people um and i'm not saying this is this is I'm, i'm saying this as a general trend in the organization that i have personally seen in my time in the organization since 2017 serving in local leadership and national leadership in this time i have seen consistently people weaponizing the grievance mm-hmm. process overstating harm weaponizing terms of actual harm and abuse and and then ultimately flouting the very process that they're weaponizing for personal for personal gain and i wouldn't even call yeah. it political gain because like really it's not about staying principled to an ideology it's about like reifying your clique right yeah it's and about again, click warfare exactly exactly it's about your mean girls club and you wanting to be the the baddest bitches in the room right and right. you'll do anything right. for that it's not about affirming your politics it's about like creating a fiefdom right and i'm not right. this is a general trend i'm not naming names or or any bodies but you know look at the yeah. look at the data look at the data mm-hmm. um yeah you know i i see this over and over and and what i see what i see the most is that good strong organizers of color queer trans organizers of color are consistently being pushed out by this yeah good people are being like crushed Mm -hmm. under the weight of this problem and the person that's supposed to like oversee all of this doesn't give a fuck and it's it's, like aiding and abetting them like i am so lucky that this guy this guy i followed a grievance against has like a shitty temper and he lost it on paula so she was like oh Mm -hmm. fuck him he's out you know right like i'm lucky that that happened because if he had finessed her even though i'm the one who filed the grievance and had pages of pages of proof nothing would have happened right and i just want to say too that paula is absolutely a problem here and i know that like not a lot of people can really talk about this but i don't give a fuck anymore so this is something that i don't think a lot of people know when reports go to the npc grievance reports for like you know expulsion and things like that they are filtered through paula who redacts all the names of everybody involved so if you have somebody that's had multiple accusations like basically if it's some like paula can manipulate the report to slant either way before it gets to the npc just a little fyi i didn't know when i found that out i was appalled I was appalled. So I, as an HGO, could write a report and it could be very like I, which I've done. I've done multiple times, send it to the HGO and she takes the report and gives it to the NPC. I'm not allowed to give it to the NPC. I am only allowed to give it to Paula. So Paula controls the information that gets to the NPC, which is why another reason why I wanted to come forward with this is so that the NPC can hear from me and not from Paula's little report 
that she gets from uh, Nate and Shafika and Josh M and Kelsey and all the other steering committee members mm-hmm. uh, that that did this because they can suck up to her all they want and 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 she will be she will be amenable to that and she will take sides and because I've been critical of Paula in the past I am I'm at risk of getting expelled so I do want to add also. Oh, can I can I put in a little addition uh, for oh. earlier in the episode as one of the reasons why I quit? Okay. Another reason why I quit is because there was a common uh, pattern on the steering committee, the magnet slate, and Magnolia slate. A really toxic person named Nate K, who was also a member of Collective Power Network and um, has a reputation nationally as uh, being someone who is very adversarial but very underhanded in their disagreements to the point where they do weaponize the grievance process. Mm-hmm. And Nate was caught on their Twitter uh, making a racist, like boosting a racist joke that their friend said about Asian people. Mm-hmm. And our comrade uh, saw this, our comrade in our chapter saw this and got extremely upset. It was it was a racist joke against Asian people. They saw this and got extremely upset and were heartbroken. Mm-hmm. And they were like f- filed a grievance against Nate. And this was back in, I believe, in October. So this is after I left as HGO. So there's nothing I could really do about it at the time. Like they were they were supposed to go through a grievance process, basically. Now, I don't even know what's going on with that because... Like, actually, I don't even know if I can talk about this, but mm-hmm. but I just want to say that Nate K, who I've avoided saying their name, not avoided, someone who has not come up at all in this episode yet, mm-hmm. um, Nate K, you are the fucking problem. And I am sick of people not even saying your name because people are so afraid of retaliation from this person. Um, and they've been a fucking menace in our chapter for years a really, really awful, racist, fucking condescending person to a lot of people, including myself. And I'm sick of it. So I just wanted to say that that's also a reason why uh, I was over it as HGO and as why I was participating in the chapter. Oh, man. So a couple days ago, I, you know, thinking about my time in DSA, I like just made a couple tweets that were like the DSA urge to overstate harm, the DSA urge to weaponize terms of terms of abuse uh, in conflict, the DSA urge, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Hundreds of people like engaged with that. Mm -hmm. Hundreds of former DSA members. I got DMs about action, not just emotional and um interpersonal harm but like physical harm that mm-hmm. certain members of certain members of the the organization that have the had of that have done these um behaviors that have exercised these behaviors have done to other members mostly again mostly members of color time and again we're see- we're seeing this pattern and so i guess what i would want to say as someone who's committed to like sticking it out sort of out of spite but also because i think there is a possibility to make dsa a space that is safer not safe because like nothing will ever be but like safer for um you know marginalized communities to to organize within um those of us who are who are committed to sticking it out um and and no shade if you're not because this place is fucking hard this place is fucking hard um Mm -hmm. you know for me it's like at least where I'm at, like, there's not really much else to go to. 
Like, right. there's not really much else to, to stick with. And so I would say for other people feeling the squeeze right now, like, one, you are absolutely justified in feeling that. Two, reach out because, like, we're only strong when we're together. Like, right. and I'm saying beyond your caucus, beyond your tendency, like, let's let's think about this in a real way if you also think that this behavior is egregious. And then right. three, I want to challenge the idea of quote-unquote out-organizing them. Because, yeah. because, like, Rara, you've been an established member of this organization since 2017. Um, right. You can organize till you're blue in the face. Like, if you, it's not going to stop this pernicious behavior. Yeah, we did. We did. Out, we, we did organize. We, we were organizing and they didn't mm-hmm. like it. They were organizing right. to. Uh, the thing is about Mosaic is there were DSA members in Mosaic that were organizing together to put forth resolutions for the chapter. Tell me how the fuck that's entryist. If we're all paper mm-hmm. members organizing resolutions, to, like how the fuck do you justify that? Mm-hmm. You can't. Mm-hmm. You can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so so when we're saying like. When we're thinking about how to address this, we need to actually name the problems and like yeah. the bad actors because like it's not enough to just out organize them because what are they going to they're not going to hang up their hats and be like, oh, well, shoot, I've been out organized. I, I, yeah, I guess I I'll just go Dang. home. No, they changed the no. bylaws. This is this is a exactly. thing. This is a thing that this is a thing that Nate, who is the architect of a lot of these new bylaws and resolutions coming through that are blocking this kind of organization. This is the kind of thing that they do. They see that they're losing. They see that their ideas are not as popular, that they're losing kind of like grip on the chapter resources or the members, uh, you know, and they change the rules. So mm-hmm. it's a structural like if we allow these people to be in charge, mm-hmm. It, again, we need we need Paula to step down, or we need we need um, we need a much more horizontal uh, accountability. Mm-hmm. That yeah, mm-hmm. sure, maybe Paula does need to be around or whatever for legal reasons. But there, it, there's no justice in one person mm-hmm. being in charge of the grievance process that goes to the NPC because. It makes a lot of sense now that I know that the the information is being channeled through her and her lens, and it makes a lot of sense how this stuff gets buried is because maybe the NPC is just not getting all the right information. They have no context. They have no historical context because all the names are redacted, so they don't even know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. why is the grievance process hidden also from the people that are deciding the expulsion or deciding mm-hmm. the course of action? That doesn't make any fucking sense. Mm-hmm. So these are, these are structural issues that I want DS members to think about and it's like you said at the local level i can't out organize these people because we did or we we were organizing we weren't organizing against them we were organizing for what we wanted to advocate for which was mutual Mm -hmm. aid which Mm -hmm. was structural changes that made it more comfortable for bipoc members to be involved for poor Mm -hmm. members to be involved Mm -hmm. and i just want to also point out that a lot of the people a lot of the 40 people that were affected by this purge were non-white and were femme mm-hmm. so and i get it like it there's a there's a real um there's a real instinct to see what the steering committee said about us and to be like wow these people are crazy like they're so unhinged wow they're mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. but it's like again you're not getting all the information because one side gets to talk about it and accuse mm-hmm. people and the other side just has to shut the fuck up and take it Like, it's not justice to me. So I don't want to adhere to a process that isn't just. A process is only uh, as good as the the people who believe in it. Like, the moment Mm -hmm. 
someone decides to flout the process, then it breaks down. Like, in, and mm-hmm. I, I firmly believe that. And that's the, that's both, you know, the benefit and it's like a double-edged sword, especially when you're doing grievance that's around RJ and TJ, restorative justice and transformative justice. Like everyone yeah. has, it's voluntary association, right? Like, mm-hmm. and so the fact, you know, it is, it is not okay. It is 100% not okay for one party to be able to uh, share their narrative, their frame, their spin, and the other party to remain silent. Um, that is yeah. that is egregious. And, and, and at that point, in my opinion, having been trained by Generation 5 on uh, transformative justice, having been, uh, you know, um, outside of DSA, like before I was in DSA, like I was already doing RJ and TJ work, um, having mm-hmm. done that work, I see something like that where someone is just mm-hmm. like, I am not going to respect the process. Then the process is over. That moment. Yeah. That very moment. The process is over. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so I, I you know, I, I, I think what we can do for those of us who are <laughs> who remain, um, you know, like mm-hmm. we have to we have to really be um, incisive and uh, direct. I think um, mm-hmm. this this won't work through whisper networks and um you know passive voice like saying there was you know some weaponization of the process there was no we have to we have to like root out these these core issues because we're hemorrhaging membership and good people are being prevented from working on actually building the fucking movement that we want Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And like this is this is like what I wanted to say to any NPC member listening to this right now. I'm not going to like call you names. I'm not going to call you a traitor for the way you vote on things or whatever. We may have disagreements, but like ultimately I want you to look at look at our actual data as Yessie says. We are hemorrhaging members. We're we're hemorrhaging active members. Mm-hmm. And it's like do you want do you want a passive membership that gives 5 to 10 dollars a month that where you can't get anyone to labor for these committee for the committees you need for because you need labor. You need workers to fill these roles to get these things implemented. You can't just do it with the money. That's not how it works. And like, as we can see, we don't even have enough money. So it's not like we can just hire staffers to implement socialism. You know what I mean? Like, that's not how it's gonna Mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. You're gonna need regular people. And if you allow a small cadre of toxic members to dictate an entire chapter's direction Mm -hmm. and makeup, you are failing. Like you are failing us as a city in Atlanta and you are failing, you're failing the organization. And I just want to impress this point that like, I'm not saying nobody joined DSA. I'm not saying, um, yeah, you you literally gassed me up at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. It's like, I have a lot of comrades in DSA. I learned a lot by being in this organization and I do believe in, um, some of the projects we're working on. The reason I stayed so long is because I, I thought we could be better. I thought my mm-hmm. chapter could be better. I didn't stay because I hate it. Like, yeah. I didn't stay out of spite. I stayed because I was trying to change things. But as soon as I left my position where I had any power, it was used against me. As soon as I gave up my influence in the chapter because I just couldn't stand it anymore, they used it against me. So I just mm-hmm. want NPC members listening to understand that I'm not doing this out of spite. I'm doing this because there's other people that are respecting this process and are continuing to, even though they haven't been respected during this process. 
And I need some transparency here because if you just hear it from Paula, if you just hear it from Atlanta DSA steering, you're not going to get the full story. So, yeah. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> anyway. I'm really sorry, Rara. That's that's so gnarly. It honestly feels so good to just talk about it because with somebody that like understands where I'm coming from mm-hmm. because it this has been like I haven't been able to do any organize like I've I've had a really bad winter mental health wise mm-hmm. financially mm-hmm. uh everything and this was really fucking hard to also deal with and not yeah. be able to talk talk about it mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. like it it just it weighed so heavy on me and I was and as Time goes on and I didn't hear anything and I didn't hear anything. And I saw posts making fun of us and making fun of Mosaic and making fun of my comrades without mm-hmm. and and just people commenting without just giving uh, steering committee all the benefit of the doubt and giving mm-hmm. us none and mm-hmm. not questioning it. It just pissed me off. It pissed me off and it made me upset. So I just wanted to clear the air and I will be posting the contents of the letters that I have sent to my steering and also I I will be sending a letter to NPC as well but I truthfully I don't really think I'm going to survive this process I am probably going to get expelled for talking about it um so this is probably like I was already kind of one foot out with DSA um and looking for different ways to organize in my community so um props to my comrades who are staying and doing really good work and um who are making it through but i i would say don't join atlanta dsa don't trust them um they will take your revolutionary energy they will co-opt your work and they will leave you uh feeling broken so just don't do it this sucks so bad rara i'm so sorry yeah, I mean, I'm very numb about it now. I mean, I, I, I go back and forth between feeling very numb and very angry and very sad. But it really does help to talk about it. So, yeah. <laughs> I guess this is probably a good place to wrap up. Yeah. We, Hawk Girl Agenda, have had a rough one, as you can yeah. tell. <laughs> um, we would really appreciate um, your support. I need a new computer that I can't afford right now. I need a new mic. Rara needs a new computer as well. Uh, Rara does all of our uh, production uh, by herself. Like, you know, <laughs> um, so, you know, we're going to be talking about doing an actual like fundraising campaign so we can keep yeah. doing this and bringing you good content. Um, we're, mm-hmm. you know, we have a lot of plans for different shows to review. Um, we're going to mm-hmm. continue with Bridgerton. We're almost done with that series. So, um, yeah. uh, and we're going to do some more stuff, but we really need, we really need community support right now. So um, what you can do yeah. right now is join our Patreon. We have um, a bunch of cool stuff up there, uh, episodes, um, other little written bits of things. Um, you can join for as low as $3, but we do have the yes. recommended $5. Um, thank you, thank you so much uh, level. Uh, <laughs> Patreon.com. I think it's lug- luxury bimbo, luxury space bimbos, I yeah. think. <laughs> yeah, but it's also just thank you, thank you so much for supporting us and giving us two extra bucks a month uh, level. Yeah. Um, Patreon.com slash hot girl agenda. Um, if you're yes. already a Patreon subscriber, thank you so much. Please tell your friends, tell your mama, tell your daddy. Yeah. Let's get that cash going so we can keep doing this because um we really want to and you know a lot of people uh really like it and we want to keep going um again patreon.com slash hot girl agenda yeah and for those of you who have been like loyal listeners but you know you can't afford it money's tight we get it just boosting our content Mm -hmm. and rating and reviewing us 
will like give us a, a big boost so that someone who can't afford to con- to uh, subscribe will be able, you know, will see it because that's the biggest thing on social media is the algorithms working against us, especially mm-hmm. as anti-capitalists who refuse to pay for ad space. Right. Um, <laughs> so in order to keep again, we're entirely self-funded. We're not we're never going to do ads. We're never going to do any of that shit. And we we rely on small donations, but also this content like we could just sit here and be like, oh, my God, we're so important. Our voices are so important. But it's like, no, we want to have more guests. We want to have more femme uh, people of color on the show to like we want to have more non-binary people. Mm -hmm. We want to have more people who's who are not getting the exposure they need, who are not having their stories told. And we think that's very important and we think it's worth preserving. And also this shit just takes time. Like honestly, Mm. uh, that small little donation gets me a couple minutes a day to work on shit, to book guests, you know, to do all, to do promo materials and stuff like that. So yeah, we just want to thank you again for listening. And yeah, subscribe, rate and review. All right, y'all. I think that's it from us today. Thank you so much, and we will we'll talk soon. Bye. Bye.